Welcome to Current Radio's Science Station. Please enjoy today's selection of science news. Charlotte, let's talk about cities today. They're often seen as the problem when it comes to climate change, but they could also be a part of the solution, right? Absolutely, Diego. The Science-Based Targets Network has recently announced plans to develop city-focused science-based targets that include nature and biodiversity. This is a significant step towards sustainable urban development. So, this is about cities managing land and water, protecting biodiversity, bolstering climate resilience, and all these plans are set to unfold over the next few years. That sounds like a comprehensive approach. Yes, it's indeed a holistic one. The City Science-Based Targets for Nature program is a collaborative effort between leading city networks, research institutions, and advisory organizations. We're talking about big names like CDP, WWF, WRI, C40, and Durham University, among others. Now this is interesting. Eva Gladek, the founder and CEO of Metabolic, mentioned that cities are committing to integrate nature into their climate transition and urban policy agendas. This includes setting clear targets for creating and preserving green and blue spaces. And that's critical, Diego. According to the World Bank and the UN, cities are the largest driver of environmental impact globally. With the majority of the global population living in cities, it's vital that their impact is brought in line with what nature can support. Right, and this is not just about halting biodiversity loss, but reversing it by 2030. This is where cities play a crucial role. They can be catalysts for change in the pursuit of nature-positive development. Exactly. And Maya Kuttner from CDP highlighted that sustainable and resilient infrastructure is the cornerstone of tangible climate action. She also emphasized the need for transparency in reporting environmental data, which would encourage investment and lead to meaningful action. Speaking of action, there's also the Joint Outcome Statement on Urbanization and Climate Change, unveiled at COP28. It's a 10-point plan to boost the inclusion of cities in the decision-making process on climate change, and it also aims to accelerate the deployment of urban climate finance. Which is crucial, Diego. Remember, 90% of cities are threatened by rising sea levels and storms, and their residents are exposed to higher temperatures than their rural counterparts immediate action could bring down their emissions to near net zero. But there's a financial bottleneck, isn't there? As Maimouna Maud Sharif from UN Habitat pointed out, only 21% of climate finance is allocated to adaptation and resilience, and just 10% reaches the local level. Yes, and that's a gap that needs to be addressed. Cities are on the front lines of climate change, and they need the resources to adapt and build resilience. It's a challenge, but also an opportunity to reimagine our urban spaces for a sustainable future. As we continue to delve into the complex world of climate change, let's shift our focus from the urban landscapes to the broader planetary scale. We're about to explore the concept of tipping points in climate science. Thresholds that crossed could lead to irreversible changes in the natural systems we rely on. Buckle up, it's gonna be an enlightening discussion. We're discussing a pressing issue today, Diego, climate change and the danger of crossing planetary tipping points. These are thresholds that, if crossed, could lead to irreversible changes in natural systems crucial to human livelihoods. Indeed, Charlotte. While there is some hesitancy in the scientific community about the emphasis on these tipping points, there's no denying the risks are real and escalating with global temperatures. 
Tim Lenton, a climate scientist at the University of Exeter, UK, who led the report, warns that these tipping points pose threats of a magnitude humanity has never faced before. The report was presented at the 28th United Nations Climate Change Conference, or COP28. It's alarming, Charlotte. The report paints a picture of what could happen if we cross these tipping points. It assesses the potential causes and likelihood of 26 climate tipping points. The most immediate danger is to coral reefs, which are already threatened at current warming levels. And it's not just the coral reefs, Diego. The ice sheets in Greenland and West Antarctica are at risk of irreversible collapse, which could significantly boost sea levels. Even with just 1.5 degrees Celsius warming above pre-industrial levels, northern forests and mangroves, among other coastal ecosystems, are at risk. And let's not forget the Amazon rainforest. With as little as 2 degrees Celsius of warming, large parts of it could be replaced by savanna, disrupting life across South America and leading to even more carbon being pumped into the atmosphere. This makes short-term action even more urgent. Manjana Milkerate, a political scientist at the University of Oslo and co-author of the report, argues that humanity's decisions over the next decade or two could affect life on the planet for thousands of years. However, yet, there's a question about the effectiveness of focusing on tipping points from a social and political standpoint. Michael Oppenheimer, a climate scientist at Princeton University, is skeptical. He believes that the increasing frequency of extreme weather events and other climate impacts are more likely to stimulate action. That's a valid point, Diego. It's about making the dangers tangible and immediate. But the report also offers some hope. It lists potential positive tipping points in social, political, and economic systems, which could result in runaway benefits for the climate. Right, Charlotte like the declines in the cost of wind and solar power driving investments away from fossil fuels and towards clean energy. But it's clear that the incremental policy changes we've seen so far aren't enough. Absolutely, Diego. As Lenton says, we need to find and trigger some positive tipping points that accelerate action down an alternative pathway. The clock is ticking and the stakes couldn't be higher. From the vast and ever-pressing concerns of our global climate to the minute an intricate world of material science. The scope of human inquiry and innovation knows no bounds. Let's delve now into a recent publication that's making waves in the field of computational science, where researchers are pushing the boundaries of what's possible in predicting the structure of material surfaces. Charlotte, today we're delving into the fascinating realm of material science. A recent publication in Nature Computational Science has caught my eye. The researchers have developed a computational method to predict the structure of material surfaces. That sounds intriguing, Diego. From what I understand, understanding material surfaces and interfaces is crucial in applications such as catalysis or electronics, correct? Absolutely, Charlotte. The tricky part is that accurate energy simulations can be prohibitive when coupled to the vast phase space that needs to be statistically sampled. But these researchers have come up with a solution. Hold on, Diego. For our listeners who might not be familiar with this, could you explain what you mean by phase space? Great point, Charlotte. In simple terms, a phase space is a space where all possible states of a system are represented. In this context, it refers to all possible arrangements of atoms on a material surface. I see. So what's this new method the researchers have developed? They've created a computational loop that accelerates both the energy scoring 
and statistical sampling methods. They trained machine learning interatomic potentials on high-throughput density functional theory calculations. This was done through closed-loop active learning. Sounds impressive. And how does this method improve the prediction of material surface structures? By using machine learning and statistical mechanics, this method can predict complex material surfaces and even discover previously unreported surface terminations. They've tested it on materials such as GAN, SI, and SRTIO3, and the results were in agreement with past work. It's fascinating how machine learning is being leveraged in so many fields, but what about the accessibility of this method? Can other researchers use it? Good question, Charlotte. The researchers have made the trained models, DFT data, and Jupyter notebooks used for data analysis available on Zenodo. The algorithm they used is also available on GitHub, so it's quite accessible for other researchers who want to use or build upon this method. That's fantastic. Open science is so important for advancing research. It's impressive to see this kind of innovation in material science. I'm curious to see how this method will be applied in future research. Indeed, Charlotte. The potential applications are vast. From improving electronic devices to developing more efficient catalysts, the impact of this work could be significant. We'll definitely be keeping an eye on this. From the realm of material science, we now turn our attention to the exciting world of environmental startups. It's always inspiring to see how innovation and technology can be harnessed to address pressing environmental challenges. So let's dive into one such startup that's making waves with its groundbreaking approach to cleaning up oil spills. So, Charlotte, let's talk about some of the exciting startups that are making waves in the environmental space. One that's caught my eye is Natural Science, LLC. Have you heard about them? I have, Diego. They're part of the Resurgence Cohort 1 startups, aren't they? The team includes Arden Warner, John Nelson, and Gary Cullen, if I'm not mistaken. Exactly. They're working on some groundbreaking technology for cleaning up oil spills. The concept is fascinating. They're using electromagnetic forces to separate oil and chemicals from water and other surfaces. It's a novel approach, isn't it? The Gulf oil spill in 2010 was a catalyst for their innovative thinking. They've essentially found a way to exploit the natural electromagnetic forces that prevent oil and water from mixing. It's a major leap from the passive and inefficient methods we've been using so far. Absolutely, Charlotte. And it's not just about the idea, but also the execution. They've developed a magnetizable absorbent that's organic, buoyant, and non-leaching. It's a new paradigm in the environmental remediation space. It's impressive indeed. And being part of Resurgence, they're getting the support they need to optimize their potential for success. They're looking to align with interested parties in the energy and environmental remediation space, develop company strategies, and... Yes, and it's not just about getting off the ground. They're hoping to bring world-changing technology to the market. They see a major problem in their space, and they're committed to solving it. And where do they see themselves a year from now, Diego? Well, they hope to have introduced their new paradigm for remediation to the market, changing the approach to environmental remediation. They're looking to find customers and partnerships and introduce new hardware, controls, and concepts where their technology has advantages. That's ambitious, but considering the potential of their technology, it's not far-fetched. It's always exciting to see startups like Natural Science LLC pushing boundaries and innovating in such 
crucial areas. Absolutely, Charlotte. We'll definitely be keeping an eye on their progress and the impact they make in the environmental remediation space.